Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Just Work Podcast. I am here today, I'm Kim Scott, and I am here today uh, with Janice Omadeki. Sorry, I am here today with Janice Omadeki, and I am not here today with Wesley. Wesley is on a flight. So Janice, it's just you and me. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Thank you. I'm going to introduce you and then we'll do the reading as per usual. Okay. So Janice Omadeki is a pioneering serial entrepreneur, entrepreneur who, sorry, I don't know why I can't speak today, entrepreneur who made a life altering decision when she transitioned from her role as a corporate graphic designer to embark on a journey to start up life. As a remarkable achievement, Omadeki stands as Austin's first black woman to secure a venture-based tech exit, and she ranks among the first 100 black women to raise over $1 million in seed funding for her first tech company. In her upcoming book, Mentorship Unlocked, The Science and Art of Setting Yourself Up for Success, Janice shares her tools, scripts, templates, and a self-accepting approach to connecting with the right mentors using entrepreneurial principles. Omadeki is the exited CEO and founder of the, the Mentor Method. What does exited CEO mean? That my company was acquired. Oh, congratulations. Okay. Thank so you. So she's the uh, acquired and exited CEO uh, and founder of the Mentor Method, an enterprise software designed to drive transformative change within company cultures through the power of mentorship. Guided by her belief in data-driven decision-making as a cornerstone for strategy, innovation, and cultural transformation, she has honed this model through over a decade of leadership experience within Fortune 500 companies. Her roster of influential clients includes Amazon and the U.S. Department of Education. Omadeki earned recognition as one of Entrepreneur Magazine's 100 Women of Influence in 2022. Her voice and commitment to mentorship and entrepreneurship can be found in publications such as Forbes, the Harvard Business Review, the Austin Business Journal, Black Enterprise, and Inc. Alongside her entrepreneurial expertise, she holds a PMP certification and has received a cert certification in entrepreneurship from MIT. With a unique blend of directness and compassion, Omadeki is dedicated to making a positive impact. Her approach is both strategic and heartfelt, always driven by a deep sense of intention. Beyond her professional pursuits, you can find Janice cooking, reading, taking on a self-development project, or a combination of all of these. Welcome, Janice. I'm so honored to have you on the show. Thanks so much for reaching out. Thank you so much for having me. This is a very full circle moment right now. I'm pinching myself and my hands may or may not be shaking under my desk right now. I'm so <laughs> excited. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm thrilled that you're here and, I, and I'm thrilled that you have been so successful. I'm thrilled that you were able to raise money, that you're able to have an exit, and uh, which is more than I can say in my... <laughs> My, I had, I started several companies, um, but but none of them, none of them did I have an exit. I know how hard that is and what an achievement it is. So congratulations! Says, thank you. I'm chuckling to myself. So in my head, I'm thinking, says the best-selling 
author <laughs> and the inspiration behind Mentorship Unlocked. Thank you so much for that. But I think um, we've both climbed quite steep summits. And again, I'm yes. just thrilled to be here. Yes. Well, thrilled to have you. And I'm excited to have you give me some feedback on something I wrote. And I'm really excited to encourage people to read your book. And I'm, I'm hoping to get an early sneak peek at it. So of course. Uh, so, so thank you. I'm going to read uh, uh, just a few paragraphs from the section in Radical Respect about how leaders can prevent bullying and why they must. And I would love to get your feedback. Uh, I hope you'll be radically candid with me. And then, uh, and then we'll talk about a story from your career. Does that sound okay? That's perfect. All right, here we go. So I'm going to try to read. I don't know why I'm having trouble reading out loud today, but I'll do my best. Okay, this section is called Bullying, How Leaders Can Prevent It and Why They Must. Bullying creates an atmosphere of fear that undermines a team's morale and ultimately their success. Unless managers intervene, bullying is likely to result in getting the bully more than their fair share of airtime, credit, headcount, budget, or the like. This results in a toxic culture and a misallocation of resources. If bullying gets rewarded, it's not surprising that some people are willing to do it. One of the things that makes preventing bullying so difficult is that we tend to be unaware when we are the ones doing the bullying, but acutely aware when we are being bullied. According to a 2021 Workplace Bullying Institute survey, only 4% of people say they've bullied someone at work, but 49% say they have been bullied or witnessed bullying at work. It's easy to recognize when other people bully and hard to be aware of our own bullying. Another thing that's tricky about bullying is that as the leader, you are the one whose behavior is most likely to be experienced by others as bullying. Part two will cover the kinds of checks and balances leaders can put in place to make sure they get feedback when this happens. When this happens, it's a leader's job to create an environment in which bullying gets recognized and corrected. There are two important things you can do as a leader. You can create consequences for bullying, compensation consequences, career consequences, and conversational consequences. And you can shut down what I call bloviating bullshit. All right. Lay it on me. What do you think about this section? What is it bringing up for you? It brings up a lot. Um, I, when I read it as part of preparing for our conversation today, I read the title and I immediately mm -hmm. felt this resistance, like in my mm -hmm. gut, like this resistance, yes. like, oh, huh, this is a topic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, this is going to be an interesting conversation um, because it's something that we don't talk enough about. And mm -hmm. I had to sit with it. I mm -hmm. read the I read the passage a few times, and um, I just couldn't get that feeling out of the way. So I had to sit with it, yeah. process it, and then um, I think just a lot of PTSD from my early corporate days. Yeah. One of the joys of being an entrepreneur is that you get to structure your own team, right? And culturally, yeah. bullying is just not something that I have a values alignment with. So yeah. I'm fortunate that I've had, you know, the last six years of my career not having to deal with it at that 
intimate level of being on my team or receiving yeah. it, right? But you going- you did a better job than I did. Sorry to interrupt, but you did a better job. That I, I want to take a moment to celebrate what you're saying because I uh, and I can tell you the stories later. But I often hired people who who bullied me and others, unfortunately, thinking that I, I was hiring these nice people, but. No, I did that. So I did fail once at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I will not go into names or specific details yes. to, to a certain extent, but um, I knew I had done that when I joined a Zoom call after an investor meeting. And all I hear when I enter the Zoom, because I was five minutes late. So when I joined yeah. the meeting, all I hear is one VP screaming at another VP wow. and my chief growth officer. And I wow. was just flabbergasted by that. And so assess the situation, talk to everybody involved and remove that person quickly after that, because I'm not going to accept that. We are adults. There's no reason to communicate that way. But in reading it, um, it did take me back to my early corporate days when I was in defense contracting and specifically my first job in corporate America. And Mm -hmm. Sorry, quick aside. Um, yes. Should I get into that story now, or should I get into? Yeah, it a little go bit ahead. Later? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Let, go, let's let's okay. hear this. Let's hear the story, and okay, then you can great. tell me what's wrong with the with with the passage itself. But I'm eager to hear yeah. the story. And I think the story maybe will explain why you had resistance to even the word bullying or not. Well, I think so. So the part that I in reading it. I agreed and disagreed because as we just discussed, sometimes it's almost like reverse bullying, right? The statistic that is presented shows one side, but oftentimes in other dynamics, depending, especially for new managers, you know, I've talked to people where it's their first time leading a team, or maybe they don't feel like they have the best leadership acumen they will bring on team members and not realize that they're hiring people to almost fill in those gaps that they feel that they have in either a more boisterous personality or whatever they feel like a true quote unquote leader is. They start hiring for that because they don't feel that they're a leader within themselves. And then that sets up a different dynamic because oftentimes those people kind of sniff out who's susceptible to getting, you know, maneuvered and pushed around or whatever based on their own internal wounding patterns. And I've seen that more prevalently than somebody in a leadership position bullying their direct reports or people that work for them. But I do think it exists. Um, Going into my own experience. Before we jump in, can I ask you a question just to make sure I understand what what, what you're saying? So is if I understand right, what you've seen more often is someone who's a leader who's who's not a bully, but maybe afraid that they're not tough enough. And then they hire someone on their team who is the bully, who is maybe and, and then they don't hold them accountable for being kind to people. Is that what you're talking about? Or not? Almost. Really? Okay. It's not about being tough enough. It's about feeling we society has painted a picture of what a leader should be whether it was you know 20 
16 in that horrible boss babe era that we all had to suffer through or, you know, the first person in and the last person out, that's the true leader and the person is going to get a promotion. That doesn't fit everybody's natural wiring and identity. And for a very long time, we all try to adjust to that headspace of more of an aggressive, you know, quote unquote, type A go-getter, which I don't believe, um, type headspace to be seen as a leader. And if you don't, if that is what you've been indoctrinated in, in terms of what a leader should look like or how a leader should present themselves, and you personally don't possess those qualities, you don't want to possess those qualities, or it just doesn't come naturally to you, I've seen patterns where people will kind of yin and yang their hiring process. So if they don't feel like they have those qualities, they will then supplement by hiring people that have a very hard send, if you will, in those qualities to supplement that. So that internally they're saying, okay, no, I may not be that type of person, but now the team has a personality like that. And since the last 10, 15, 20 years of my career, that's what I've been told we should have as part of a functioning team, then we're in the right spot and we can continue moving forward. We'll be set up for success. And in that dynamic, depending on the other individual, they can then use that um, perception of power, perception of sort of that boisterous energy to then make that actual leader feel as though they are now the subordinate in that relationship. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that makes a lot. Yes. I've seen that too. I've noticed that happening. I've noticed that happening too. I'm going to wave a purple flag. I'm really working (laughs) on myself. I'm really working on not using sloppy site metaphor. So I have noticed that happening as well. I think you're, you're, that's, that's very astute. Uh, Totally agree. I noticed more of that in entrepreneurship and with my colleagues who are women entrepreneurs. And I actually did that myself at a certain point, um, wanting to make sure that I had somebody on the team that represented that. And for some people it works, for others it doesn't. It depends on, I think it depends on the other person and how they play into that dynamic and also their intentions. Yeah, yeah. And I think just to, uh, I mean, I'm maybe going to say this too strongly, so feel free to disagree. But I think too often we are taught or we imagine somehow from movies we watch or whatever that bullying is a leadership attribute. And I want to just say it is not a leadership. It is, it is the opposite of a leadership attribute. And I think that that is, that that can be part of what happens. I agree completely because it's not needed no. And, and not only is it not needed, it's destructive. It it hurts your ability to, to get things done, that kind right. of bullying. Yeah. And when you're interacting with people in that way, the only option, unless that person is aligned with that and they love to be communicated with that way, is for that person to leave. So then you're yeah. increasing your turnover. Nobody wants yeah. to work for that individual. And you can kind of tell, you know, the teams mm-hmm. that have the highest rate of turnover Statistically, there's usually a correlation between the type of leader that's driving that team and that style. I know for me, coming from defense contracting, very much the old boys club, Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of that. And when I was reading the excerpt, um, I immediately thought about that and my defense contracting days. My first job 
out of undergrad 2009 um, entry-level graphic designer. I was working for a VP of communications for one of the top 10 defense contracting companies globally at the time. And there was a communications manager that worked in between us. Right. And there would be days where I would walk by the communication manager's office to drop off something or we had a meeting scheduled, the door would be closed and I would just hear this VP of communications screaming <laughs> at this poor man. And yeah. I was 21, 22. This communications manager, I think, was in his late to mid 20s. And I mean, this VP would just be hurling insults and berating him and like throwing oh. things, pounding things. And everyone else was around. Everyone uh-huh. else could hear it. I mean, you could hear it coming down the hallway and it was just business as usual. No one was paying attention. Wow. No one was bothered by it. And I remember um, communicating my concerns to HR and HR was fully aware and the response they just tolerated was, it they did because he had strong relationships to sales opportunities he was good at mm. his job overall and the return in terms of the bottom line was more important than the well-being of this particular individual which was unfortunate um but that definitely painted a picture for me of what a leader should not be And I remember going into my colleague's office after one of those incidents and just, I felt helpless. He felt helpless. I really didn't know what to do outside of going back and updating my resume so I could get out of there as fast as humanly possible because that's not a work environment I could support. But for me, I internalized that as a communication pattern and a leadership style that I didn't want to ever put somebody else in through the duration of my career. And I think sometimes I've over-indexed on the opposite side Mm -hmm. of things where I've accidentally brought in someone like that because I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I've made made that same mistake. I actually co-founded a company with someone who had a tendency to really bully others. And you know, I did not do as good a job as I wish I had done in retrospect. This was early, early in my career, but I didn't do nearly as good a job as I should have done shielding my team from this person's behavior. I was like, well, mm. I'm not very tough, but this personal, and, and it was, it was, that was in, in radical candor speak. I was being manipulatively insincere in that case. I, I regret it. Um, but but it's but I also have compassion with my ear. Like it's it I think and I have compassion for you. Like we do, we we are bombarded with these messages that leaders are bullies. And leaders are not good leaders are not bullies. And I also think that word is one of those phrases similar to say toxic or narcissist or triggered that has been used in so many ways outside of its intentional form that we lose sight of what it actually means. Like when you and I are discussing bullying, I'm talking about that VP of communications who was causing psychological and emotional duress across the team, you know, within me, within my colleague, um, 
you know, it was intentional. They knew what they were doing mm-hmm. and they did it anyway. Yes. Not, you know, something where they didn't mean to or whatever else. And I think sometimes in um, wanting to ensure a safe environment, that term is used a lot. But when I'm talking about it, that's what I'm referring yeah. to. I think yeah. microaggressions yeah. play a role in that too yes. um, in terms of just communication patterns. And it took me a really long long time. Like I wish I could go back in time 15 years uh, to talk to that 21-year-old Janice and just tell her, you know, people will bring their own biases, their ideologies, worldviews, you know, their internal wounding patterns that taught them that that is the way that they have to communicate in order to be heard, seen, respected. They're going to bring that to work. Just because you are in the same office, just because they are in a leadership position or you're in a meeting with them or having a conversation, it doesn't mean that they can naturally just press a button and then that bias, that prejudice, that response pattern goes away. Yeah. People tend to just bring who they are at home and who they are internally everywhere they go. And that includes a work environment. And when I finally kind of connected with that concept, do I like running into people with that personality type? No. And I don't work with them. I am very fortunate to have the privilege of being able to choose who I work with and how. But at that time when, you know, early stage graphic designer, student loans are due, that flexibility isn't quite there. But being able to detach from that and make sure that I had my own boundaries in place to get away from that, some type of like recovery pattern as I was looking for a new job saved me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely saved me. But I wish that we didn't live in a world where you would even have to create your own recovery patterns because an adult man in his 50s was never taught to communicate as a reasonable yeah 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 I, I i agree with you totally and i think i think that you know when 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 hr was saying oh well he you know he's good at his jobs he he's getting results th- what happens when people allow this kind of behavior to continue despite the da- is they're not calculating the damage it does like what was the correct da- it, it this the the guy who was yelling at probably couldn't get his best work done because i don't know about you but like if somebody yells at me that way i go into fight or flight mode and then i can't even hear what they're saying like i f- physically can't uh, and i certainly can't process it you know and so they're wasting their breath so it's it's inefficient you're not going to get the best work out of me my guess is you were not able to do your best work. Is that correct? In that kind Most of people can't. I yeah. think that's a natural response. I mean, studies show that, that once that fight or flight response kicks in, you're not able to make the most sound decisions. Your body is in survival mode. Yeah. Once that yeah. kicks in. So yeah, you're the only thing your brain shut down and your amygdala exactly. is control. Exactly. You're like, forget about my performance review. I need to just survive this interaction with this person. Yeah. And it may work short term, you Mm -hmm. know, to get a project completed or to get something done quickly or whatever the case may be. But long term, it tarnishes the entire 
relationship between those individuals. It reduces your productivity. It reduces the leadership acumen of both people because yeah. now they're getting that system response saying, oh, okay, so kind of like the um, the mice that press the button and then the, and then the cheese comes out, right? Yeah. Leader yeah. bullies this individual and then they get a faster press release or they get a faster yeah. deliverable. So then they keep pressing that button, so to speak, until, yeah. the, you know, and then eventually – that employee either leaves. In the case of my colleague, he ended up like sleeping at his desk. He was really unwell. He moved back to Philadelphia from DC, moved in with his mother and just went off. I do not know where they are. I hope they're well now, but it really was not a good outcome. And even for me, you know, I, I've always been an optimist. Mm -hmm. I, was one of those people where, you know, I was like, I cannot wait to graduate so that I can yeah. go to work. Yeah. I cannot wait to be a yeah. career person. I was so excited about it. And I had this sort of rose-colored glasses of what, you know, the working world would be, um, as most 21-year-olds do entering the yes. workforce. But um, that shock to the system was definitely um, – hard to process. And I know that it took a toll on me in terms of my well-being, you know, coming home from work on, say, a Wednesday and just going straight to bed because I didn't want – I didn't know how to process. One, you know, I wasn't equipped for that. Nobody in the office was mentoring me on how to deal with a personality like that, Um, you know, and then waking up and just crying at the sound of my alarm clock because I didn't want to go back into those spaces. and. My hope is that leaders have evolved out of that. What I'm seeing trend-wise is um, a positive uptick in practicing more self-awareness, practicing more assessments on, okay, what are some traits that will lead to higher turnover? turnover? What are some traits that will negatively impact my team? Because as the leader, my job is to – build my team. When they go yeah. off to their next job, I want them to be stronger, more impactful professionals than when they joined. Yes. And seeing that shift in headspace has been a revelation. I'm so glad. And there are so many incredible leaders that are, you know, leading this initiative and leading by example with that, um, yourself included. And I my hope is that as we continue doing the good work and future of work and you know as people return to work or they stay in a hybrid environment that we remember the humanity that we all had in 2020 for one another yes we had compassion we had empathy like magically everybody just learned how to listen how and to be ask kind questions. to one another yeah ask questions like how are you and not interrupt or you know check in with people, not because they wanted something, but because they genuinely wanted to know how to support each other. My hope is that we haven't lost all of that as we start to transition into more of a hybrid work environment and just continue moving further and further away from from the pandemic. Yes, yes. I'm glad we're moving away from the pandemic and I hope we can hold on to the to the compassion that we learned I agree. from one another during the pandemic. Uh, total, really, really important. Why don't you talk for a second, uh, give listeners who may be in the situation that you are in, where there's someone in the, in, in some leader where they work who, who is yelling and screaming the way that this guy did in your, in, in that job when you were 21. 
What were some of the, I mean, I think the most important thing you did is polish up the resume and start looking to, to leave. But, but uh, you know, it's not always possible to leave right away. What were some of the self things you did to take care of yourself so that that kind of, of environment didn't, didn't impact you too much? Because I, I too once had a boss who was, who had a tendency to sort of belittle and bully me. And it was so, it got so bad. I went in to get my physical and my doctor was like, you have shrunk half an inch. <laughs> and I'm only five feet tall. Wow. Like I did not have an inch to give, half an inch to give. And so it can really have an impact on us physically as well as emotionally. Um, so what did you do to take care of yourself in that, in that time? Well, first, if anyone listening is going through that, I am sorry. It is yes. not your fault. Yes. That person too. is coming in with such a deep wounding pattern and so much internal turmoil that they are projecting onto you. It is not you. Yes. First and foremost. Um, second, what I did was, yes, I updated my resume, but it took another seven months before yeah. I Okay. So you were there for a long time. Yeah. That's I was hard. there for a long time, a very long time. And so um, I just tried to hold on to hope that eventually someone would find my resume on Career Builder. I would apply to the right job and it <laughs> happened, which was great. But um, when I was in that situation, I talked to people that would understand. So I relied on yeah. my family. I would vent to them about what was happening, not every day, but you know, maybe once a week, I would just kind of give them the rundown of what was happening at the time yeah. with work and yeah. some situations they would have advice. Other ones, they were, you know, just like, keep your head up. It's fine. Yeah. It's family, you know, yeah. that's what family does. And I appreciated yes. their support. Um, and I think what I, you're talking about is building solidarity. Like, I think that's really important. Talking to other people about what's happening so you don't feel so isolated because it's easy, easy to feel isolated in that kind of situation. Yes. Outside of where you work is yeah. what I would say. Yes. Um, I didn't talk to colleagues about it. They all knew. Um, I didn't talk to colleagues about it because I wanted to make sure that my role was still protected. As I mentioned yeah. before, you know, student loans and DC is an expensive city. Yes. Yeah. So, very. Um, I wanted to make sure that I still kept my employment. So I didn't talk about it internally to team members or anyone else. But I did have a support system outside of work that I could rely on. Um, I planned things for the weekends and things after work mm -hmm. that would bring me some type of levity, even yes. if it was just going to a spin class or you know, going to happy hour with a couple of friends or making sure that I was going down to visit my parents and having a nice weekend with just people who will not be yelling and berating me yeah. and, you know, doing yeah. all the horrible things that I was experiencing at work, knowing that there was that light at the end of the tunnel from time to time was yes. really helpful. Now, I will also say, um, while I didn't talk to team members about it, I did talk to HR and mm -hmm. I had everything documented. Yes, so that is another key point. Document, document, document. Document everything. I literally bought a journal mm -hmm. and just documented it. So if we had a meeting and things were said or things happened, jot down what it was mm 
Mm -hmm. time, date, location, anyone else who was there. It was never used for anything. But just knowing that should there be a situation where um, receipts were needed, the receipts were there. And that was also very quietly empowering. Um, I think the last piece was just knowing that I deserved better. I always knew I deserved better. There was never a moment in those interactions where I thought, this feels right. This is valid. I did something that deserves this. And when you know at your core that you are worth more than the situation that you're in and you are just sitting tight, getting a new job as fast as you can while you're there acquiring as many skills and additional bullets to your Mm -hmm. resume, Mm -hmm. there is something quietly empowering within that chaos, at least for me. So, you know, while all of that was going on, I was still taking on new projects. I was still acquiring new skills. I was still adding things to my resume so that it would quicken the process to get to a new job because it was my first job out of undergrad, right? So I didn't have a lot of experience where I could put my resume out there and apply for jobs and a month or two later, I would get something. I was still in that magical early phase where you're still trying to prove yourself and companies really have to assess if they want to take that risk on somebody that's so new to the workforce. So I noticed that I started getting more interviews as I started taking on more projects and adding more to my resume. So I was constantly updating it month over month and then reposting it on every job site and everywhere that um, I had my resume out until it was at a point where um, I had acquired enough skills to kind of jump over that entry level point to become not just like a standard graphic designer, but like a lead graphic designer Yeah, because I spent that seven months quietly seething while also traveling across the U.S., building large-scale trade show installations, meeting with several other VPs of communication and other creative directors to understand what skills they were looking for and building those relationships so that I could take off on my next step as fast as humanly possible. So I would tell whoever's listening that's going through this, don't just stay there to stay there. Um, If you're not in a position financially where you have a nest egg, then feel free to um, just acquire as much as you can and squeeze as much as you can out of that hard situation. But if you are in a position where you can leave, leave. You do not need to deal with that. I would tell them to get therapy. Therapy was not something that I grew up with. So this was, what, 2009? Yeah. Yeah, that therapy was not as widely accepted as it is now. And culturally with my family um, and those that I was around, therapy was reserved for people under extreme, extreme emotional duress. Yeah. I felt that, you know, having a boss that was truly toxic and unfavorable wasn't at the level of requiring therapy and it a thousand percent was. A thousand percent. Yeah. Totally agree with that. If you're in a position where you can get mental health resourcing to help build um, support around you outside of another support system, a thousand percent do it. I wish that I, again, I wish I could go back in time and, you know, pay for 21 year old Janice's therapy because it was so needed. It just wasn't a resource that I thought was available to me at the time. 
totally, totally agree with that. I, I mean, therapy really was what helped me um, regain my half. And I, I got it back. I grew, <laughs> I shrank and I grew. Uh, and it was, it was not because anybody physically stretched me. It was thanks to therapy. So totally with you it's on that. It's so important. And I think the other thing about documenting is that it can be its own form of therapy to document what's happening. I mean, for me, at least, when I have documented what was going on, it helped me feel less gaslit, actually, because I was like, oh, no, I have a record. I have the receipts. You know, I'm, I, you know it's, it's a case of me being able to say, it's not me, it's you, actually, to this person who's bullying me, you know. <laughs> It's very empowering to make sure that you are taking care of yourself. I think that's what it boils down to at the end of it. Like knowing that you are doing the best that you can to take care of yourself and that it's temporary and that it's yeah. a choice. You can yeah. get out. It might take seven months like it did for me. It might take you seven days. But whatever it is, you are making the active choice to get out of there and taking the appropriate steps. And that's a very self-empowering thing to do. Yeah, not giving up your sense of agency, even if you can't leave as quickly as you would like. Exactly. Janice, thank you so much for making yourself vulnerable and sharing your wisdom with people. I know this is going to help so many people. Uh, why don't we end by you telling telling everyone a little bit about your book and where they can pre-order it and uh, and and how to keep in touch with you? I would love to, yes. So... My upcoming book is called Mentorship Unlocked, The Science and Art of Setting Yourself Up for Success. Um, it's published by Wiley, one of the top business book publishers globally. And I am so excited for everyone to read this. This has been the culmination of my entire career. My first business was my career as a graphic designer, as we talked about, you know, we've talked about yes. the first job, but there have been several jobs outside of that. And it I wouldn't be here without the help of extraordinary mentors and coming from a space where mentorship wasn't something that I was taught. I really had to learn myself. So the book provides scripts, templates, strategies, um, and just a nice process for someone to go through to find the best mentors for them based on who they are, how they're wired, so that they're in a psychologically and emotionally safe environment to thrive and build a fulfilling career that really aligns to who they are. I'm very excited for everyone to read it. Thank you so much. I'm excited for everyone to read it as well. I know it's going to help so many people and that writing a book like that is truly a labor of love. So thank you for doing it. My pleasure. And you can find me at JaniceOmadecki.com. You want to spell it for folks? We'll put it I in the I probably should. Yes. It's a long name. <laughs> so last name is O-M-A-D-E-K-E, JaniceOmadecki.com. Great. Thank you so much. And if you, our listeners, have a story you'd like to talk to us about uh, or perhaps join us on the podcast, send us a note, hello at justworktogether.com. Thanks, everyone, and have a great day.